Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, beloved Tuesday Night Jaw listeners. Welcome to another Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode on the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, myself, Jim Smallman, today uh, you'll be able to hear my chats recorded somewhere quite interesting with the wonderful stand-up comedian and uh, video game related genius and wrestling fan, John Robertson. So... Uh, a fair few people have tweeted saying they're looking forward to this, knowing that we recorded it at the weekend. Um, so have a listen, have a laugh. John is great, loves his wrestling, uh, knowledgeable dude, um, and it's a good laugh. Before we get to that, got to do some plugs. Two very important plugs. Plug number one, this Sunday, I've been banging on about it well, as long as Tuesday Night Jaw has been a thing. But this Sunday is the biggest show in my little company, Progress Wrestling's history. It's at the Brixton Academy. Doors open at 2, show starts at 3, finish by about 7 o'clock. We have, at the time I record this, at 20 to 2 on the Tuesday, we have less than 50 tickets left in a venue that holds nearly 2,500. Um, we've managed to do this with a talented roster of British wrestlers, just the one import on the show, and that's Tommaso Ciampa, who's got a great history with our company. His last independent match Jack Gallagher's last independent match before both heading to WWE um I, I can't say enough good things about what we've got planned for this show I, I want you to be there if you've not already got a ticket get a ticket uh progresswrestling.com slash shows you'll be able to see the link to chapter 36 we're going to need a bigger room again that's the show this coming Sunday so yes progresswrestling.com slash shows go there also we've got tickets on sale for our christmas show in camden doing it early because we know it's the christmas holidays we've also got tickets on sale for our first ever visit to birmingham in january and our next trip to manchester so progresswrestling.com slash shows get yourself a ticket come and see us at progress wrestling if you see me you're among the two and a half thousand people at the brixton academy on sunday and you see me and you're a Tuesday night jaw listener, whether it's your first time seeing progress or your 36th time seeing progress, just high five me. Don't even need to say anything. You just hold a hand up, I high five you. I know what it's all about. Um, also, a little while ago in June, I filmed my Edinburgh Fringe show from last year. Because there'll be some of you listening to this going, oh, Jim knows he's wrestling, he's a wrestling promoter. I've been a stand-up comedian for 11 years. It is my job. I'm quite proud of what I do. I've, I've won awards for it and stuff, which... 
it seems weird because I still don't really know what I'm doing, um, but I love doing it. And in June, I filmed my Edinburgh Fringe show from last year, which was called My Girls. I filmed it in London in front of about 120 people, which was amazing considering England were playing the same night against Iceland. Um, mainly wrestling fans, if I'm being honest. Uh, you, you watch it and you can see quite a lot of progress t-shirts, which is super cool. Uh, and a certain Mr. Scroobius Pip, who, uh, the owner of the Distraction Pieces Network, uh, in the front row, freaking me out. Because he's one of my heroes and he's sat in the front row. Um, but he seemed to enjoy it. The whole audience seemed to enjoy it. I had a great time doing it. It's one of my favourite gigs of my entire 11-year career. And you can buy it now. It's $5. Well, it starts at $5. If you want to chip me a few more quid, you can. You don't have to. $5, which is about £3 something based on the current uh, Brexit savaged exchange rate. Um, But yes, go to my website, jimsmallman.com. Click on the My Girls link and that will take you to it. If you want to just remember the link, it's jimsmallman.com slash my girls obviously if you love this podcast tell more people about it we get more and more listeners every time we put an episode out let's keep spreading the word about this we we know we're popular in the united kingdom which is great and we know we're starting to pick up listeners in america and in canada where progress has been touring with smash this last weekend so um do keep spreading the word about the podcast easiest way to point people in the direction of it Point them in the direction of my website where there's all the links so you can get subscribed. So, prog- uh, not progress. jimsmorman.com slash tnj. jimsmorman.com slash tnj and you will see all the ways that people can get signed up. I mean, obviously you already are and we appreciate that. But if you want to leave a little five-star rating on iTunes or maybe leave a little review, that's only going to help us out. Right, that's enough plug-in. Hopefully, I will see you at Brixton on Sunday. Now, I know we have more listeners per episode than Brixton fits, so I know not all of you are going to quit to come, but, I mean, any of you who are there, I'm super grateful for you to support in our company. Um, so, you know, have a great day. I'm going to be a nervous wreck, but I've bought new trainers for the situation and a new pair of jeans, so, you know, at least sartorially, I am prepared. Anyway... Enjoy this chat with John Robertson. Uh, It is a fun chat, and I'll be back at the end just to wrap a few things up. Cheers. Right, that's it. Every one of these I start with, right, I'm recording. Right. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's like, it's because I've heard other people on podcasts do that, and... um, Nothing wrong with that. uh, Yeah, but I'd like a a pre-credits thing. Hold on, here we are, in the studio, caravan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hello, John. Oh, hello. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm all right. Because you've just said the word caravan, why don't you explain to the lovely Tuesday Night Jaw listeners what on earth we have been doing with ourselves this fine Friday evening? I certainly will. Hello, hello, Jawers. Hello, you you collected people who <laughs> once... I made Star Wars. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Amazing. You, your, your fans are the people who once stole R2-D2. Uh, <laughs> hello, loves. Look, uh, Jim and I have... Uh, re- here we are. Rekindling our friendship by the light of some orange juice illuminated by a fluorescent lamp uh, in a fabulous uh, caravan here mm. on the Isle of Wight. Now, what's uh, what's happened is we have just been booked for a gig, but I think both of us had different expectations <laughs> of what it was. <laughs> because, because I got booked. You know how I got this gig? Because oh. I got booked because I did the commentary for the comedian's boxing. Yeah. And the booker of uh, Manfords was there and he went, Who's that guy? Who's that guy saying Barry Dodds looks like a novelty condom? Who's who's that? <laughs> oh, I like him. We must give him some work. 
And as has kind of been my luck uh, with the UK, with UK comedy chains, uh, weirdly, so, like sometimes they do this. They go the first time they book me, even though they don't know me from Adam. He'd never seen me do stand up. They just go, "Oh, we'll book him to close." So I've I've brought my suit. Right, and yep. I've got my army boots, and I've got all my gear, like, and I'm all set to go because I've seen the Manford's website, and I'm like, I know this chain, and I faintly know uh, Colin Manford. That's the famous one, isn't it? Right, <laughs> there's a reference that won't translate beyond the caravan. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right. So I turn up for the gig, and you know, I've, I've actually I've hauled ass to get here, mm. and I've, I'm dragging my stuff behind me in my suitcase. You know, I've, I've gone full '90s wrestler bum bag, the whole outfit. You know, all this. And I turn up, and we're performing on the floor of a pub. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even a big pub. You know, the, the floor of a pub in a holiday camp. It's oh. vaguely out of season. Well, oh, it's amazing. Look, um, the atmosphere of Dachau. You know, a much more populated camp. Uh, I. <laughs> I tell you, like we had, we had a beautiful show. They were wonderful. They were lovely, yeah. lovely people. The, the giveaway of the time you're going to have is if you turn up and a couple of things. One, the floor of the pub is carpeted. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this seems unreasonable. They've just plonked a microphone in the middle of some tables. Uh, the spotlight is, in fact, a light in the roof. Uh, not much, <laughs> not much given to illumination. And uh, as you walk in with all of your stuff, and you walk up to where the comics are, our green room was literally two stairs above, and uh, they locked the one exit. <laughs> What I, what I loved as well is because we were on full the three of us because yeah. the comic called Andy Fury on with us and yeah. the three of us because we're on clear view of everyone in the audience mm. and a lot of those guys either are from the Isle of Wight and know each other or they're regular people who stay here a lot mm. so they know they know everybody um, is if some if someone's one of the three of us said something and it didn't initially get a laugh, they would look to see if one of the three of us were laughing. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and because me and you both got really loud laughs, yeah. and essentially a lot of the gig was me doing the gig to you and you doing the gig yeah, to me. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, two, it was two pals having a conversation, being overheard by about 40 people who also happened to find some of it funny. I'm, su- I'm surprised I didn't... I'm surprised I didn't shoehorn in more wrestling references. Yeah, yeah. But um, finally, finally, <laughs> Robertson has come back to mediocrity. You know? <laughs> See, because last time we got together yes. before this was at the we, Download Festival. And, and this, he told them this. Now, bearing in mind, he may have at this point been shooting like red-hot flaming spiders out of his mouth because the audience were confused by the following processions of, procession of words. The last time we gigged together, it was at the Download Festival in front of 2,000 people. That was more people than they could conceive of, and the phrase "download." There were pe- there were people still figuring out what the- I know those words, but separately, what are they? <laughs> the download? What? What are, th- are these porn men? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, he's desperately confused an audience of, of very practical people. But when yeah, you and I, so we did the download festival, <laughs> and and I'm quite lucky because progress did. Wrestling at Download last year. Yeah. And and I was it, it was really nice for me because I walked on stage to um, to people chanting This Is Progress, which is super this nice. This is progress. And I had people uh, chanting my name, which is bizarre. Jim, Jim, Jim. Um, because that's what happens at the start of a progress show. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then what happened for the rest of the night was, was quite a lot of wrestling-related yep. stuff happened. Oh, um, yes. Now, I'm not saying 
you look like Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> but they all presumed that you did. They were so happy. Well, as I... I well, mean, and if you do look like Ric Flair... Yeah. It is the best era of Ric Flair, oh, which yes. is 1983, 1984, no, Ric Flair up, this is, wearing a suit. This is NWA champ Ric Flair. Yeah. This is a man explaining that he's a wheel and deal and son of a gun. I'm a custom-made man. You know, <laughs> Two big, thick rings hanging off the side of his quite skinny fingers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fingers the girls never even felt. Never even felt. <laughs> <down in there>. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, the... Yeah, because what I got the minute I came out was two thousand people going woo, which was perfect, and then that, that was great. You know? I mean, I mean, what what could have happened is you yeah. could have not encouraged this in any way. Oh, but obviously what? I kept strutting. Yeah, you took your shirt off. I do remember taking my shirt off, but the important thing is I took my shirt off and then didn't elbow drop my suit jacket. See, had I done that, they'd have gone two meter, two meter. <laughs> Too much. I love I love the idea of your autobiography being called I Do Remember Taking My Shirt Off. I do remember taking my shirt off. <laughs> yes. So well, well this is this is this is coming from someone who when I was younger I wouldn't take my shirt off to go swimming, but I have no trouble removing it like literally like you guys think I look like that dude? Okie dokie. Woo Woo And we the, the most devastating thing about it was that uh, when I got off stage, because Chris Brooker was there as mm. well, noted wrestling fan Chris Brooker. And, and often guest on Tuesday often Night Often guest Jaw. of the yeah. Tuesday Night Jaw, being desperately listened to by your uh, little uh, rag-wearing, uh, illuminated eye people uh, down there in the deserts of Tatooine. Um, the, what, he came up to me, and he, he already had his phone set, and this is usually a bad sign, because yeah. you're like, okay... Is it a bad photo of me? What is it? And he goes, you don't look like Ric Flair. You look like Wildfire Tommy Rich. Because I remember that. Because yeah. I was stood I was stood nearby and I was like, I actually thought the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, and when we say Wildfire Tommy Rich, we mean, again, NWA yeah. champion. Well, Wildfire, Wildfire Tommy Rich. Wildfire, not, not manager of the FBI in ECW no. <laughs> Tommy <Yeah>. Rich. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I am I am an app. Look, look. They, they call me Mr. 1983. That's what they say. <laughs> I, I walk out to the ring to Bruce Springsteen's glory days and we have a wonderful time. Because uh, I saw that. And the weird thing about Wildfire Tommy Rich is Wildfire Tommy Rich looks exactly like my father. If my father... Because my dad had black hair and a beard, right? Oh. But I have bleached blonde hair and no beard. Mm. Wildfire Tommy Rich has the exact physiognomy of my father's face, Whoa. the black eyebrows, and I was just like, oh, God, I see it. Oh, I absolutely... And the thing about... The nice thing is that whereas a what chant can be disruptive, people saying woo every once in a while, like the two most important lessons I've learned this year are people shout... 2,000 people going woo is just joyous. It yeah. doesn't interrupt anything. And walking through the middle of your own audience, I got uh, about... I got 180 people uh, in the middle of Fringe to boo me. Uh, because I, I, I did this show called The Dark Room and I'm wearing these Road Warrior-like spikes, mm. right? And a child had just won what I... Uh, it's a game show. And yeah. a child had just won what I call The Whale of Shame. And The Whale of Shame is a inflatable whale that when it comes out, the audience do the shame chant from Game of Thrones. Right? Yeah. And I walk the whale over to the kid, you know, and, and the whale's swimming and all that. And just as I'm about to reach the kid, I grab the whale by the tail and I start smacking it in to my Legion of Doom metal metal shoulder pads that I'm wearing. And people get very emotionally invested in this, right? Mm. And I throw it at the kid's face and I go, oh, what a shame, <laughs> right? And I got booed and properly like, boo! And I, when it died out, I had to say to the crowd, 
I've waited my whole life to learn this, but as it turns out, positive and negative attention feels the same. Yeah. And it re- I didn't know that. See, I, people have said to me, because uh, I, I don't consider myself a wrestling character when we do progress shows. Well, yeah, you're not. But, yeah. but... You're a shoot, but You're a shoot. Because, because it, it is, it, I'm one of the owners of the company yeah. and I'm the public face of it and I'm doing the ring announcing and everyone, I'm everyone's <laughs> this mate. Is, this is no Jack Tunney. Yeah, so I, I'm everyone's mate. So I end up, I am by default. I am somewhat of a character, even though I don't particularly want to be one. Mm. And a few people have said to me, "What would you ever do? What would you ever do if you were like heel version? If you like, if you all of a sudden you were like a heel general manager?" And I went, "We're not. We're not having. Progress is never having general managers. No Good. one's ever paid money. Yeah. No one's ever gone. Oh, I've got my wrestling ticket. You'll never guess who the general manager is. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that phrase, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm I don't want to be a general manager. But literally think, all I'd need yeah. to do is, if I turned up to any of our... Sh- Brixton next weekend, yep. if I turn up... And right someone suggested Brixton, someone's, yep. someone suggested this to me and went, it's a big show, you're going to wear a suit. Absolutely not. No. If I walk out in a suit, yeah. if I walk out in a suit without my hat on and looking smartly dressed like me and the wife are going to a wedding, mm-hmm. I will get booed out of the building. As you should be. <laughs> And, and it's completely exceptional. And rightfully so. Rightfully all I need so. to do is that and not swear. But no swearing. No swearing in a suit. It'd be oh. great. Uh, it's never happening, guys. Oh, so, all right. So, your your heel you is Foley's anti-hardcore days. Yeah, it is a bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I've As it turns out, I've turned a positive stage of my life. Fuck you! <laughs> what I love is... Yeah. I mean, because... One thing that we, hang on, sorry, so you know, you know, what we just watched in our house. We we just watched this fucking storyline where uh, Billy Kidman uh, injures Chavo doing the uh, shooting star Prince, mm. and then the vignette of him about to fight. Um, oh, who who even cares who it was? It's two blokes. One you know, one went off to the IT department. The other's long since retired. But the build up to it. Right, where you got Teddy Long going, look, player, everyone wants to see you do the shooting star press. Right, but he's and then just... made a tag match for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Holla, 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 holla. You'll be, you'll be fighting with yourself. Right, it's an internal struggle. Tagging with yourself, Billy Kidman. Right, ain't no other members of the Filthy Animals here. I don't think Kidman was in the Filthy Animals. He was in Raven's Flock. Anyway, um, what happens is I mostly know him as the guy that we used to like when we played WCW NWO Revenge because when we were at school, we thought his name was Billy Kidman because he scratched himself like a teenager. So he was a man-child. That's what we thought that name was. Do you know why he scratched himself? Why? Because they were trying to insinuate he was a, a smack addict. Oh, excellent. And he was dope sick. That's well, genuinely what they did with that's him. That's perfect. You know you know what the fastest... Let's believe he wasn't a smack addict, well, by you, the way. You know what would have been an easier way of doing that? You know the um, you know how you spot guys who've been trained by Jake Roberts because when they get into the ring, they immediately sit down well, mm. you know, in the corner and then they pull themselves up with yeah. the ropes, right? Billy Kidman should have just rolled into the corner and then not moved again for the rest <laughs> of the match. <laughs> Billy, I'm just... hungry! I'm hungry! Are you holding? He was a smack addict. His finishing move would be... Sitting very still and staring. Yeah, just, you know, like... <laughs> you know, yeah, do the William Burroughs class. Spent 20 years in Tangiers staring at my shoe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's Kidman. He's doing the nod off. He's doing the nod off. Oh, hang on. Here he comes with the begging for change. There we go. You guys got 20... Oh, um, but yeah, we're watching, we're watching that story. And the weird thing is that, because what they're trying to do is, is like Teddy Long. Teddy Long, who's not, a, you know, an authority figure... In the sense that I've got this job, but not really a high stakes authority <laughs> figure. Yeah, player, 
I've never fired anyone on SmackDown before, but I will, because we're not going to have a quitter, right? And the whole thing is about, you know, Billy Kidman, you're a quitter, because you've done this move that's injured this other wrestler, and now you're not committing to it. Mm. Now, there are a couple of problems. One, it's confusing, because you're going, oh, he injured the other man. What, in the combat sport? Oh, he must feel terrible. Or not at all, because that's his job. So, what the fuck's this, right? Followed by Billy Kidman. The story goes, in you know, here in, in storyline, here's Kidman saying, I've injured this man more than I meant to. I don't want to do this move anymore. And the fans are booing him out of the building, like, how dare you care? Oh, do the thing. And the, the sad thing about it, right, is that the match finishes with the other guy doing a perfect shooting star press. Hmm that Billy Kidman rolls out of the way of and then has to drag that guy closer to the turnbuckle because he actually can't do it as well and fucks it up. <laughs> it doesn't look good at all. And the crowd go, oh, oh. <laughs> do you, imagine, though, if you... Yeah. if I always look at it and you think about wrestlers, like you've got to hit your finisher and you've got, it's always got to look good. Oh, yes. But then when an entire match is built around that mm. one finish... And it doesn't like, work. It, and and if, if his brain's anything like my brain, it would just be like... Oh God, oh God, oh yeah. God, oh God. It's like if I'm ever filming myself doing something and it's like, I know I need to hit one. What I really want to get out of this filming me do a set yeah. is is one 30 second thing and it's got to get it right. That would be the one thing I yeah. get wrong. Of course. Because it's the same with Brock Lesnar doing that shooting yeah. stuff. Because he, <laughs> got up there, he got up there and surely he got up there and went, the fuck am I doing? Yeah, hold up. <laughs> I know I used to be able to do this. But well, I just sorry. I just really like the idea of you coming out to your progress audience, you know, there you are, in your fine suit, and a chant breaks out along the lines of "You've done well for yourself, <laughs> you cunt." <laughs> we hate that. Um, so yeah, like most comedians, mm-hmm. um, we're friends because we like wrestling. Obviously, yep. no, um, look, it's God's sport, mate. But first of all you are you were not British I mean, not, people no. have not picked up on this yet no um, an, an accent that is uh, described in my homeland as cartoonishly broad <laughs> so <laughs> um, fuck so, you John what the fuck why are you talk like that so the only phrase I can say in an Australian accent was talked to me talked to me by um, uh, my friend Kent Valentine who's from oh. Newcastle in Australia <laughs> and it's the thing he says to make him because he's not very Australian I know well, Kent Valentine, yeah. principally well known for his hat and uh, yeah. the the skinniness of his arms. Yeah, he is. I love Kent. He's a lovely, lovely, wonderful human being. Mm. Um, the f- person who introduced me to podcasts in the first place, we used to do video games together. And he, um, he was one day we were walking along, and he went, I, 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 "Sometimes I don't feel very Australian. I've lived in the United Kingdom for quite some time." And I went, "All right, how do you make yourself feel Australian?" Instead of just say two simple words, I went, "What's that?" And he goes, "Rugby league." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking the Maroons are doing well this year, eh? <laughs> so, um... Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is something that fascinates me, is that in Britain, we've always had a culture of... We, when I was a kid, we had World of Sport. Oh, uh, yeah. How, how old are you, John? You know? um, 31. 31, right? 31. So We did not have World of Sport. But you're, like, you're seven years younger than me. So, yeah. So it's like, we had World of Sport when I was a kid. That's how I got into wrestling. Then when I was about 10... WWE was a thing yeah. and all of a sudden that exploded and that was another way into wrestling for me but I like both I love World of Sport and still love it um, probably love it more now because I appreciate it better mm. um, and I love WWE and all the bright lights and all that sort of stuff yeah. what when you were growing up I presume it was it was probably only WWE that you got the no story. no no we we did very well we oh, did cool. we did insanely well because uh, I lived in country Western Australia which uh, 
we we didn't get many television stations. We had uh, the ABC, so the, the public broadcast, which was never going to show wrestling. At, at the time, I think their highest rated program was called World Series Debating. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds amazing. Well, the, thing, the weird thing it was, it was all the comedians of the day, so it was fucking great. But even then, it was like, well, uh, yeah. you know, they were dry. They were seen as dry. Uh, the joke about them was that ABC stood for another British comedy because they used to just buy everything, mm. you know. So we, we were a Blackadder family, right? That's, and, that's pretty cool. Same yeah, as me. <laughs> exactly. But then we had GWN, which was the Golden West Network, and that's how you knew you lived in the country. Yeah. And oh, rock and wrestling was on the TV. Cool. So that was the first. That was, you know, in comes, in comes the cartoons. Like, I, I grew up with an inch, like an instinctive hatred of Roddy Piper. Right? <laughs> Like and and the action figures were there and and the strange thing was that I went straight past you <laughs> without getting excessively morbid about this. I went straight past Hulk Hogan, who I liked, and I remember Jake the Snake, who my father was excited about. He knew mm-hmm. he knew who Jake Roberts was. I don't know how he knew that because <laughs> my father was an Anglican priest and a newspaper editor. Right, he was a total workaholic. How he had the time? The priest thing. Yeah, maybe your dad. Oh my God! <gasps> maybe your you know when Jake Roberts came back in 1995 and he was born again yes. in WWE. Maybe that was your time. <laughs> maybe it was. <laughs> Except I will just say that in 1995, my father was in a mental health ward. However, <laughs> possibly, possibly due to the the fact that he had the world's only case of long distance multiple personality disorder, <laughs> where he was simultaneously in Perth, Western Australia, <laughs> and wrestling a house show in Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> And pronouncing that place correctly, <laughs> and you know, and forced, you know, like he would be, he would be at home, uh, you know, wearing a shirt, and then forced to wear a slightly more ludicrous shirt to hide the idea that, oh my god, you know, that who on earth went aqua and gold, Jake? That'll do it. A little bit of snakeskin, perfect. You know, you're a hero. Oh god. Anyway, Dad, oh Jesus, yeah, he liked, he liked. I remember he liked Jake the Snake. I remember once uh, running into his room and going, oh, "My God, Dad, there's a steel cage match on the television." And he would get, and him going, "Oh, you're lucky, right?" And I, I realised now what he was saying was, "Oh, get out," you know, like that's that's nice. But he seemed to know what all these things were, mm. and all he ever used to really watch was Star Trek and the ABC. So this was a a great thing. We used to wrestle, right? Yeah. It was terrific. That we actually had to stop doing that. Uh, not not due to anything like, and then he buggered me, you know, like, and then you know all this. We we had to stop once because we we used to wrestle and we'd wrestle on the bed. And one day he actually played to win, and accidentally <laughs> threw me into the kitchen, like in into the kitchen cabinet. Yeah, in another room, or the bed was in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, I just ricocheted off the walls. No, what he did was this: he threw me. I hit the bedside table, temple first, right. Psh- you know, yeah. didn't die, but we both looked up and then we both instinctively realised, because he just went, don't tell your mother. And I was like, oh yeah. Like, and we just knew, it was like, it's over. I, I like the idea of, I like the idea of it going That through. was our blow off match. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> the idea of it going, oh son, we'll just, just wrestle around a little bit and we'll just, we'll just kind of stomp and hit each other. Oh, and then all on. of a sudden, one day your dad just went, right, burning hammer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my dad. Burning hammer, because this has only been done seven times and no fuckers kicked out of it. Yeah, the, unless, the, unless it's on an indie show. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah um, I invited my dad to the super kick party, and sadly, <laughs> sadly, I was an only child, so there was only one young buck in this house. The um, yeah, I just remember that. That's it, John. You've lost a you've lost a the loser tells your mum match. <laughs> it's great fun. Did but, them... but sorry, that's how it began. But did, did this? Here's fun. We moved right. Yep. So 1989 to 1990, we we're in Kalgoorlie. Uh, you know, this famous old mining town, mostly known for having a street of whores, right? And then we went to Guildford, uh, which is pretty much, a you know, one of Western Australia's greater failed attempts at, you know, re- replicating the village people were from hmm. in the Australian bushland. And uh, we suddenly had more television stations. And right. Channel 9, on a Saturday... Before the cricket came on, or the golf, or whatever the normal people were watching. Rugby league. Rugby league. No, that's that was prime time, mate. Prime time rugby league. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's like Kent's here. I just like saying it. Rugby league. That's no, good. Uh, they would play, and I don't even know what program it was, but it was early 90s WCW. Nice. And I was obsessed with, of all people, Johnny B. Bad. My taste... And his bad blaster. Oh, I love the bad blaster. My taste in wrestlers was appalling. Some of this, when we're talking, just a little aside for your listener. Yeah. When me and John are talking about Johnny B. Bad, uh, who was Mark Mero in WWE, um, some of what we're talking about is genuinely going to sound like we're talking about his penis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the bad blaster, mm. not his penis. No, no. Did not impregnate Sable... With the bad blast. Well, the problem with if you see the Johnny B. Bad character is that you then doubt Mark Miro's existence uh, when he turns up in the WWF. When yeah. he's like, oh, hello, I'm... I'm a Golden Gloves boxing champion. I'm a Golden champion, Gloves boxing champion. Which was legit. I know, yeah. totally true. I'm a Golden Gloves boxing champion. I'm married to Sable. Again, no, no, you're, you're the man who used to put the Diamante plastic kisses on women's faces. Yeah. You were Little Richard. <laughs> yeah, your job was to be Little Richard, and yet they made it a Chuck Berry reference for reasons no one quite understands. <laughs> Even as a kid, even as a kid, because I was a big 50s rock fan, <laughs> as a child, right, I was totally baffled by that. I was like, this is clearly Little Richard. I, ima- I imagine my, my business partner, Glenn Joseph, who has, has spent the last 10 years playing Buddy Holly, I imagine he's sitting, I imagine that, wa- and he's a big WCW fan, I've never spoken to him about this, but I'm sure that oh. must have really look, wound he him must up. have been consistently bothered, and look... Your friend there playing the big bopper. If I see him, I'm just going to continually <laughs> say that to him over and over again. Just going, wow, Chantilly Lace has a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down over and over. Oh, I didn't mention. So we had rock and wrestling. Mm. When the action figures came out, I went past Hogan. I went past Demolition. I went past uh, Jake the Snake. I went past Mr. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, and I still have it. Terry Von Eric. I went straight for the Texas Tornado because I was a practical player when I was a kid. And I was like, Hogan just puts them in a headlock and Jake is just a headlock and the perfect plex is just a reverse thing. Yeah. And that This bloke's entire thing spins around. It was perfect. <laughs> makes, I reckon, and this is a challenge I will throw out. Yeah. <clears throat> I will throw out to, to our listeners. Tweet me. I'm at Jim Smallman. You're uh, Robotron. 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 R-O-B-B-O-T-R-O-N. Uh, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw, as I always ask you to do. Um, with... Because I reckon this is going to be this is going to be something that people are going to resonate with. Is yeah. the first wrestling figure that you got that you loved mm. isn't necessarily the one that 
if you went back now and go, oh, this is the one that was amazing. Because yeah. like in that case, I go, oh, Mr. Perfect or Jake the Snake. Yeah. But the reality is, I never really had wrestling figures. Yeah. Um, you know what the second one I got was? What? Ludwig Borger. <laughs> You've With... got two dead people. <laughs> yeah, but the thing was, it made total sense. You know why? Because Ludwig Borger's thing was he held his hands up and he it had real finish slamming action. But the way his hands were, right, because Kerry Von Erich's arms were outstretched in proper crucifix style, I'm doing the razor's edge. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, squeeze his legs together. Pow! There you go. So tweet us both, uh, Robotron at Jim Smallman, uh, and um, just tell us, the. Re- I want to find the person who had the nichest first WWE Ooh, figure. Yeah. Because I think Kerry Von Erich and Ludwig Borger are niche. Oh, but there's going up. to be someone who went... I just went, want somebody from the Finnish Diet. That's all I want. There's going to be someone who went, the first, uh, first one I got, oh, twi- twin pack of the Beverly Brothers. There's going to be someone... <laughs> Look, I don't want to be... I, seriously, I don't want to be morbid, but I've just realised that both of them were suicides. Was, was Tony Helm a suicide? Uh, no, uh, no, Ludwig Borger? Yeah, Borger was, wasn't he? Because yeah. he was a Finnish... He was a Finnish uh, uh, MP wasn't he? Yes, and 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 was a boxer and a yep. shoot fighter. Yeah, and uh, a fabulous action figure. Um, and Kerry Von Erich, of course, only had one foot at that point. Yes, indeed, his action and, figure had to. Oh, yeah, it did, indeed, indeed. Um, Both of them were plastic. That was how they got you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you couldn't pull it off. I I didn't know that fact about no, it. Until, I until I until I got into tape trading in the late nineties and mm. then became obsessed with reading the Wrestling Observer and stuff like that. Yeah, I had because. No, this is going to sound really odd. And I, I don't know if I've said this before, but like, I, I had a, a long period out of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I liked wrestling until I, I think I was maybe 13 and I was watching an Undertaker match. Oh, yes. And Vince McMahon said, while The Undertaker was making his entrance, exact quote, and, and someone's going to be nerdy enough to be able to point out the exact match when this happened. Vince McMahon said, during his entrance, you know, we're not entirely sure if The Undertaker is alive or dead. And my brain went, nope. <laughs> and I didn't watch any wrestling. I didn't watch any wrestling until I was until I was twenty, and I was flicking <laughs> through. Such a, it's such an adolescent thing yeah. to do. I just went. No. I know reality. I just went no, and I started drinking. Then I was just like, I'm going to yeah. get hammered, right? I'm going to get hammered and smoke weed. That's what I'm going to do, right? Oh, and then because and, of course, you know, the per, the thirteen year old getting hammered and smoking weed is entirely qualified to say whether or not someone's alive of course, or dead. Absolutely. Yeah. And then. Ironically, when I got back into wrestling after uh, literally flicking through Sky Sports when I was 20 and I was at university, flicking through Sky Sports and literally a repeat of um, uh, Bad Blood. Was, oh, yeah. Uh, not Bad Blood. Um, uh, King of the Ring. King of the Ring 98. Bad Blood was the first time in the cell. So I'm flicking through as Mick Foley, he's being literally, I get on yep. it, they're on top of the cage, Foley gets thrown off Four. within five seconds and I'm like, Wrestling got really good. We're back. And it's one of the reasons Mick's tattooed on my arm and all that sort yep. of stuff is, is because... Of course, at that point, <laughs> had Vince still been doing commentary the minute Mick landed, he could have just gone, we're not entirely certain <laughs> if mankind's alive or dead. But I, I watched it for that... I watched it from that point and I was like, oh God. And then I went back and consumed all the stuff that I'd missed. Perfect. And, you know, and, and still continue to do so. Mm. But there was a really long period of me not liking wrestling. And then when I got back into it, I'd be I'd be sat in the computer lab at university and I'd be like, oh, I think I'll just look up what happened to this wrestler. And I'd look them up and realise that they were dead. Yep. And for a long time I became fascinated with finding out what had happened to other wrestlers. And I don't know if part of this is because of my history with depression and stuff like that. Mm. I was fascinated in a morbid way. Or if I was, if it was part of a kind of sympathy thing of knowing that clearly these are especially with the amount of suicides there were among those guys yeah. but this is something we talked about before 
before we started recording in that um I think the 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 biggest evil in terms and this is something I've said um yeah. an interview I did for um uh, one of the guys who runs one of the other podcasts on the distraction pieces network um uh, concerning drugs and the use of drugs in wrestling is that I think certainly from a progress point of view our dressing room is very clean and people behave themselves. They go out for a drink afterwards. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the culture of what when Shawn Michaels, for example, was really into his drugs and the the culture of drinking, doing uppers, doing downers, all that sort of yeah, thing. These days, are right. And then just makes people miserable. And it's no wonder people live like that. Well, of course, just, you know. Course but but I became miserable. completely fascinated with the darker side of it. Yeah. Well, uh, it is fascinating because if you okay, if you look back. At just just say look back at almost almost any match that say Harley Race talks about, yeah, and a lot of them like when you know there, there's that gravelly voice telling you that uh, no this was a really intensely physical contest and they really busted each other up. You, you can't actually see it, mm. you know, because the level of violence you've become used to is is much greater and the the pace is bigger, you know, and things like that. Like, well, if you see the King of the Deathmatch tournament, well, and then you go back and you watch. You, you watch Harley Race, who is... A, a trem- and if you appreciate the craft, you watch it and no. go, oh, he's tremendous. No. But but the first time you watch a Harley Race match, oh, exactly. you're yeah. like, oh. Yeah, he's utterly tremendous, but you're going, yeah, look, we can all take a forearm and hit somebody in the, you know, the fat on their back with it, mm. right? But th- it's just things like that. To get through that before you start going, all right, now I sort of know the lexicon mm. of wrestling, what will really get you through it is going, oh, no, I, I read those guys hated each other because that bloke there... You know, mm. he got his that bloke's girlfriend to suck him off backstage, <laughs> and that really does it. Like just sit, sitting down using Bret Hart's autobiography as a codex, mm. or the Dynamite Kids. You know, yeah, that, that'll really carry you through. Yeah, absolutely. A, like a, genuinely, a lot of very boring wrestling. Well, that's the thing. I think there's, and it's it's stuff. I'll do interviews, mm. um, and people will say to me. I get asked a lot. Tell us something we don't know about something that's happened backstage, and I'm like, no, no. And it's and and I've I've gone from someone who's a smart fan who wants to know everything and mm-hmm. wants to know all the ins and outs and everything to to then keeping with my company my cards as close to my chest as possible Good. and not telling people stuff because I've learned to appreciate it the other way around by going, oh, I I was a terrible fan and yeah. I wanted to know everything. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, it, once once you start learning the, the tapestry that's behind everything, it yeah. makes something that's already fascinating yeah. fascinating on a whole new level. Oh yeah, because it's a re- you know suddenly it goes from remember when wrestling was being touted in, during the Attitude Era, it's a soap opera for guys. You know mm. that's that was it. And then uh, you know like no, when when you actually have this idea, all all it really is is gossip. Mm. Yeah, there's no way of verifying any of this. You have no idea. The closest thing comes out, you know, it's years later usually, somebody like the honky-tonk man going, and then this happened, and then this happened, and it's like, oh, I'm not sure that's what occurred. Mm. I, but I, I like those things in retrospect, and then I like to apply it, because it really helps. Like, if you're sitting with a, a very, you know, bored, confused family member <laughs> who, who's just going, why, why are we doing this? You're like, okay, because you see when he slips over here, that's why three years later he wasn't able to wrestle anymore. Right there, it's amazing. Right here, you know, just just things like that, like trying to, and also sometimes that will turn around and bite you in the ass. Like mm. you have yourself, okay, because we had a person come around our house who had just gotten into wrestling, and they were going, "I want to see matches with great chemistry." They figured out that out, yeah. and I went, "Oh, excellent, excellent." And I'd never seen Savage versus Steamboat, and I went, "All right, here we go." We watched it for half an hour. We both of us, when we were done, like, what an excellent technical match. 
with no chemistry whatsoever. Entirely rehearsed backstage. Ugh. But is that because you knew how rehearsed it was? Well, I knew it was, but she figured it out. Because I, because yeah. I remember watching that match when yeah. I was a kid. Because one of my friends, I, we, been... we can afford, we can afford all the videos. But one mm-hmm. of my friends, uh, his parents got divorced, and he had all the videos. Yeah. So he, um, <laughs> perfect. He he had all the WrestleManias, and because I didn't get into wrestling until I think it was WrestleMania so Warrior Hogan, WrestleMania six. Okay. So that's the first WrestleMania I remember getting my parents to record or Sky mm-hmm. for me. So I had to go back and enjoy all the other WrestleManias, and in particular my favourite pay-per-views were Survivor Series, especially for the big ten team on ten, the, oh. the, the massive, the massive tag based. So the tag team based Stuff Survivor Series like one that is so highly like underrated. Forty-five minute long one of the, is one of those matches at Survivor oh. Series. Either Survivor Series one or two, and also. Yeah. Watching like the jumping bomb angels, the Japanese mm. women's tag team. Yeah. Watching, going, oh, that's where all the moves come from. Yes, <laughs> and it, stuff like that was, was. But I remember going back watching WrestleMania three and seeing that, mm. and I never liked Hulk Hogan. And I've said right. this, uh, you know, I, I've just never found his matches interesting. And from from when I was little, and that's because the first wrestling I remember watching was always yeah. technical people in Britain. So I, I, of course, I just didn't like it. Well, you'd have no appreciation for it because you you understand his entire move set mm. as the entry level stuff your boys can but, do. But also as well, I think very early on I figured out the dynamic of all of his matches, which is yeah. a couple of minutes of mm. him on top, then him getting murdered for ages, oh. then he hooks up. And How's it happened? It. Yeah. It's happened again. And and it, you do you remember you seen the one of him and Lesnar on Raw? Yeah. Okay, it's lovely because Heyman is trying to sell like. And and really hard is trying to sell what, what is a totally implausible matchup, <laughs> but he's screaming at Lesnar, "No, Brock, don't toy with him. He's not like the others." <laughs> <laughs> Flaws, physics. It makes it doesn't apply to him, and he's totally right. It's like this man, because Hulk Hogan is one of those people who, when you watch him wrestle, you go, "And there, folks, there is a man." whose life is scripted, you know? Mm. Like, because here's a legitimate fight, but as it turns out, God has written this match. <laughs> Don't you understand that if Hulk Hogan was walking down the street and if you knifed him, the fifth time you knifed him, he would turn and wag his finger in your face <laughs> and the people would cheer. The thing is, is like, I appreciate... I appreciate what he's done, but I, I've brought this up before. He's yeah. the most important wrestler. Yes. Because without him, WWE wouldn't have been built as it is. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be the fans that we are of wrestling. Of course. Because it wouldn't have been on telly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it wouldn't have been on telly in Australia without, oh, God, no. without him being a huge, huge star. He was it, a marquee hero. Just, yeah. just wouldn't have happened. Well, uh, let's put it this way. Remember when Cornette was doing the NWA invasion angle? Mm. Right. Great. Look at these men. Nicely attards. Not a speck of muscle tone among them. Very talented workers. Talent, it doesn't get you everywhere. Mm. You know What you occasionally need, unfortunately, is a look, the ability to market that look, and something that's really easy to understand, which is, I'm a nice guy, and I kind of look like your dad if your dad surfed and smoked a great deal of pot and ate a whole bunch of coal cows every single day. <laughs> you know, I look... And that was also the nice thing about Hulk Hogan, because that receding hairline meant that he looked like your father. Hmm. He looked older than he was. You know, it was just like, he's your protector, and then it's easy to understand. I just presumed he'd always always been 45. Yeah, it's exactly it. But when you're a kid, 45's ancient. The terrifying thing is, is I reckon at 38 now, Mm -hmm. 
I am older than Hulk Hogan was when I was watching it. Yep. <laughs> the, the, go back to WrestleMania 3. Yeah. I, the first time I ever saw Randy Savage against Ricky oh, Steamboat, yes. it blew my mind. Of course. But I'm the same. I've gone back and watched it since. And I know it's a good match. And I know for its era, it's an amazing match. Oh, it's match. an incredible match but for the time. It, 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 yeah. It's knowing... Because Randy Savage was very, very rehearsed and very, very yep. keen on doing that, and it equally, it took away a lot of the fun of the um, the Ric Flair Randy Savage matches mm-hmm. that they had, um, it, uh, the uh, Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage match, which <laughs> is the best match Ultimate Warrior ever had. Yeah. Um, it took away a lot of the joy out of that. Hit something for you. I just because just mentioning Flair, we watched the Rumble where he's in it for over an hour mm. and he wins. And now, I'd, I'd never watched it, and at the time, walking around my house, I'd just been saying over and over again, Ric Flair, world's greatest wrestler, Ric Flair, right? Yeah. Greatest wrestler in history, Ric Flair. Ric Flair, world's greatest wrestler, Ric Flair. That hour-long match, it does, it does three things. One is, you eventually realise that when Flair jokingly says, <laughs> I don't have any offence, he means it, right? <laughs> Absolutely means it. By the but he t- was doing the territories for years where he was basically getting beaten up yeah. by, by the territories golden boy for an hour and then either winning with yeah. a roll-up or, or with his final ropes or it was, it was a time limit drop. I'm not saying that that's not magnificent. No. I'm just saying that watching him in this Royal Rumble, you go, oh, he's chopped him. He's chopped that other guy. And he does the flare flop about mm. six times and you go, oh, okay. However, the weird thing, is that even though you see that and you're consciously aware of that, the girl who was next to me when we were watching it went, how is Flair still in the match? <laughs> and did that at intervals of about 20 minutes. Yeah. How is he How's he still in there? So it still ended up being that great Ric Flair endurance story. Yeah. Despite all of that, and I like that, because he's actually somehow or another gotten through your conscious brain. Yeah. And on an unconscious level, going, how is this happening? And then, of course, when the thing finishes, Flair gets the title... Ooh, is he even on camera for a second? Mm. He gets the belt, and there's Hogan yelling at Sid. And you're just there going, oh, that feud doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And what's amazing as well is, looking back yeah. at that, is where the money was, mm. was Flair against Hogan, and it just yeah. never happened. No. And they, it, they try, apparently they tried it on house shows, and it, well, they didn't feel it had the right reaction. Shall I, shall I tell you a, a Hogan-Flair fighting story? Yeah. It's, I was there, uh, and it was utterly astounding. It was the uh, 2008 Australian Hulkamania tour, mm-hmm. uh, which was a very long evening uh, of seeing people that you knew on some level you recognised, being introduced with names you couldn't possibly... Uh... Is it as bad as the Legends of Wrestling? Yes. Which, that was in Australia as well, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. That came around years before. The Jake Roberts uh, meltdown. Oh, uh, no, that wasn't in Australia. Was that in Australia? No, that happened in Florida, no. I think. No, when, when I don't we... know why I thought that was in Australia. Well, because well, we did have a Legends of Wrestling thing. I think it's because the Bushwhackers were on it, and I just presume yeah. that that's... <laughs> oh, thanks. I, yeah. I know they're from racism. New Zealand, based. No, but, no, but... no, it's fine. It's fine. Why? I, I always presume that they just hook in people, because there's no... Oh, Who's the great anti? Who are the other great Antipodean wrestlers? Oh, the other great. Oh well, yeah. Outback Jack, Kangaroo Jack, various people called Jack. Um, oh no, well, the fabulous Kangaroos. Well, it's all. The, well, it's all the guys coming up now. Your boys over in NXT: Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols. Yeah. they're superb. Devon Storm, very good worker. Uh, Cracker Jack, who once kicked me so hard I thought my shoulder had separated from my body. <laughs> He's pretty bloody hard. Yeah, the, what, what, what's his name? The mad bastard Cracker Jack. He's good. 
That's the most Australian name. Yeah, I know, unless, I know. Unless you... Now opening for the rugby league is the man bastard Crackerjack. Unless he was called Ned Crackerjack. Ned Crackerjack. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, comes out. Oh yeah, remarkable. Like like Vader in Japan comes out in a tin helmet, you know, with a bit of steam coming out of it. Uh, TNT, good bloke. Uh, Not Savio Vega. No, no, That no. was his Puerto Rico name, wasn't it? TNT. TNT. That was his masked... Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah, well, actually, Savio Ve- Vega now wears a white face mask and comes from Melbourne. It's incredible. Good old TNT. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. I must remember to call him Savio next time I see him. Or Vega, given he probably has a love of Street Fighter too. given that's what all of our arcades had. Yeah. Um, I've got Vega tattooed on my leg. Do you? Or Balrog, I don't call him. Yes! <laughs> yes, because yes, cause Vegas is slave name. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so. Yeah. Hulkamania uh, Tour. Hulkamania Tour. Now, we'd been given uh, free tickets by the... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Nice boys down at EPW Explosive Pro Wrestling in Perth. Great guys, one of whom at the time uh, had kayfabe broken his arm, so turned up in a plaster that had been set by a doctor. Nice. Which is terrific. And Attention to detail. Oh, yeah. Do this. More people need to do this. Absolutely constant. And we go in there, and it was a great evening of just people coming out and then you having to guess who they were. Like uh, Big Daddy Roro. This was fascinating to us because we were just like, what? Because all the music that was being played was just generic yeah. tracks. And Big Daddy Roro turned out to be Rosie. Yeah. Uh, so that was exciting. Uh, Umaga, I think, uh, just came out as Rodney, you know, Anoya. Oh my God, right, right. Uh, Brutus Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake versus Umaga. Yeah. It was a great match. Brutus came out to the ring. We all thought, fuck, he looks well. And then Umaga kicked him in the face. And you're like, the screws, Brutus. The screws, Brutus. <laughs> Which, did he come out as Brutus? Because he was yeah. his best known gimmick. Yeah. Out of these 270 gimmicks. Yeah, I, that was like, I was like, you thump the personas out of him. The man without a face. Oh, well, by uh, the end of it, he didn't have a fucking face. <laughs> by the end of it, he didn't have a face. And he was just saying, yes, no, yes, no, over and over again. <laughs> the fact that they called him the Zodiac, I always really liked. Because I thought of all the people. Because the Zodiac Killer was such a fine, anonymous character. Yeah. The minute they called him the Zodiac, I was like, <laughs> it's not that guy. 
it's probably it probably wasn't him. So, so the, this is going on, and we're going okay. Who is Vampire Warrior? And then we're all like, oh, Gangrel. It's Gangrel. You know, we're like, yay. Um, was that Grandmaster Sexay came out? But yeah. he, he couldn't be called that, so he had a name like Rapper Hot. Yeah, you know, Rapper Sexy, and he. Oh, Poor old Jerry's kid. He got a um, a chant from the stands, uh, which was, <laughs> yeah, there, there were a couple of them. The first was "We want Scotty," and this <laughs> this was followed by "Scotty was better." <laughs> right, that is that is harsh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, look in Perth, Western Australia, there's not much to do but be harsh. <laughs> so it, it's pretty much. <coughs> thank you very much for coming along, and if you'd just be so good as the audience opens their anuses upon you. Well, it's like I was telling you about, you know, English MCs going to Western Australia when I was younger, because English MCs like, to go, oh, hello, you know, what's your name, how mm. are you? And I genuinely used to watch these guys get off the plane from London, go into a club on a Wednesday night with a totally cold start, no introduction, they get on stage, oh, hello, welcome to the show, everyone, and uh, what's your name? Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a funny name. No, it isn't. Kill yourself. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> well, sometimes they just wouldn't respond. Anyway, so we're watching this evening go on and on and on, and it's building and it's building to Flair versus Hogan. And we know it's going to be ugly, right? Mm. It's the last night of the tour. So the match begins. We become aware, just as, uh, just as Hogan's coming to the ring, that something is wrong. Uh, because he's grabbing these railings that have been placed on either side of the ramp and he's looking remarkably arthritic. And then the, the gossip goes through the stands that he's injured his hip. Mm. Right Now, Hogan injuring his hip is a bad thing because it doesn't just knock out his finishing move, it knocks out Flair's as well. Yep. Yep. So we're going, well, what's the end of the match going to be? Jesus Christ! The match goes on. And they're getting in every other thing, like... Flair does the flare flop. Oh, oh, Hogan's got him by the undies. You know, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, I get a text when they're brawling outside the ring. I get a text from a woman in the front row, which is, Hogan bled on me. <laughs> right? And I'm like, shit, make sure it's Hogan. <laughs> you know, because Flair, Flair wasn't yet doing what I've called the blood Hadouken, his move from TNA, where he'd wipe his face and just fling the blood in your face. Right? <laughs> Which I saw him do once, but he did it to Jeff Hardy, you know, like the only guy who can take it. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, the match is going on, and I mean, it, it's a shambles, but we're delighted. You know, everything about it's wonderful. Hogan starts hulking up, right? Uh-oh, here come the bad guys. The heels are coming to the ring. Right, the heel who interfered, and I, I couldn't believe this. Because we had the nasty boys, you know, they could have done it. There were some indie guys who were travelling around. Uh, M-Dog 20 was doing his character. Matt, Matt Cross, who, Matt, uh, who's worked for Progress. I yeah, know very well. He's a good Matt guy. Cross, uh, who I first played in Backyard Wrestling, Don't Try This at Home for the PS2. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, fabulous. Uh, Matt Cross was there doing Spartan 3000. All these people were there who could have come in and, you know, interrupted the match on Ric Flair's behalf and gotten a boo. It was Lacey Von Erich. And the audience found themselves unable to boo a member of the Von Erich family. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? What happened was, we were meant to think, Oh, what a nefarious bitch she is. Hogan picked her up to do an atomic drop. We go, leave her alone! <laughs> She's suffered enough. Why are you doing this? <laughs> right. So get ready, because it's all been distracted, all this, right? Okay. Hogan 
throws Flair into the ropes for the Irish whip, and we're like, big boot coming, big boot coming. Bad news, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they weren't touring with their own ring. And they had borrowed a local promotions ring. No one had practiced this spot. <laughs> so Hulk Hogan has been throwing the big boot reliably into people's chins yep. for 40 years, and Rick... If anyone knows how to fall down, it's me, Flair, mm-hmm. Rick, simple Irish whip into the ropes, turned around, ring was about three metres too small, Hogan kicked him in the dick, and he just <laughs> fell over. <laughs> we lost our minds! It was the... Oh, shit! Because <laughs> I was just like, my child hero just kicked the fuck out of my other childhood hero, accidentally. And then, of course, you know, Hogan does the world's slowest pinfall because he can't. And it was just like, it was fucking beautiful. (laughs) Um, uh, I want to quickly touch on the fact that um, you've trained to wrestle, right? I have. I have a bit, yeah. Um, Yeah. A bit. A bit. Well, I I say a bit because when, (laughs) like, okay, when low-key came down to NHPW in Perth, I, I was just visiting. I'd had five days of wrestling training and he was running a little symposium. Mm. And the idea was that people would get in the ring and without talking to each other would kind of improvise a match. And I tapped out of that real fast. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and got, you know, like, oh no, like the guys came in and was like, oh no, John's a comedian. Well, get out! <laughs> get out! This deep voice that I would later recognise as the voice of the creator wrestler in SmackDown versus Raw. You know, voice five, as I recall, because it got significantly, it got deeper. It went, go, what do you do? You know, like, he was like, oh, you know. And, and to be fair to him, right, he was right for safety. You know, mm. it was fine. His manner of delivery, you know, could have been, oh, well, oh, <laughs> I understand. Okay, oh, if Very you, serious man, Loki. Oh, hugely serious yeah. man. I, I, but so I think you do find that in... in yeah. And I think there's a... Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But I think there's, but I think there's a, a point, like, now, it's yeah. almost like there's a line being drawn in the sand in that... In the, if you train to be a wrestler now, you are you are still going to be taught certain things. Like you're going to be taught to shake everyone's hand in the locker room yep. and all that sort of stuff, and taught mm-hmm. to be respectful and listen to people and whatever. But I do think now there's a point where people are going right. As long as you're fit enough, yeah, you can probably learn this. Mm-hmm. And if you think back twenty years ago, it was so when people, someone like Loki was learning, yeah. it would have been it would have been very much like okay, I'll teach you, but only a select few of you can learn. Well, exactly. And then twenty years before that, it was like well, we're not even going to tell you that this isn't real. No, and, and and I think it's, it's yeah, gradually your, your first your first match is either all right, get in there, and then that bloke kicks the shit out of you. All right, yeah, cool, do five hundred Hindu squats and yeah. ask me again. Well, yeah, let's put it this way: I turned up. No bloke called Masawa snapped my leg against the grain so I couldn't walk for two years. Mm. But then I walked right back and told them I was into it. <laughs> uh, no, you know, no, none of that. Uh, what happened was a guy called Heritor, uh, you know, a great, great, uh, I believe at one point a hardcore wrestler mm. uh, from Perth uh, issued an open challenge and he did this on YouTube and, I, and this somehow or another came across my desk and I thought, how wonderful, how open is this challenge? So I cut a promo. You know, I abuse people for a living, so it's not <laughs> difficult. Comedians can cut a hell of a wrestling promo yep. because, you know, we're used to just... I'm looking forward to my chance to do it at one point when I do my heel turn, oh, obviously. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of Never course. Yeah. yeah, but you're, the problem with your heel gimmick is you won't be able to cut a compelling, angry promo. But hello, everyone. Well, uh, here on Regress Pro Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, things like that. But 
what we did, you know, and so I went, I went down, and a lovely bloke called Mana, big, big Maori guy, who I was the first, the first beneficiary of, shall we say, the echo of a more famous chant, mm. because I remember watching him walk to the ring, ah, colossal in a hoodie and with a bandana, and listening to a, an Australian audience go, Mana's gonna kill you. <laughs> and I was like, we're not racist. We just know when someone looks like someone else. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, they they trained me. And we had... It was it was real good, man. I mean, like, I, you know, don't come to me for chain wrestling. Uh, <laughs> I've locked up in bars with, with actual wrestlers and... The, I think the I think the real education I got was I locked up with an ICW guy in a pub in Edinburgh, mm. and I was like, "Oh yeah, right, let's do collar and elbow." And he's like, "Sure, we'll do collar and elbow." And I jumped forward to do it, and he just put me in the front face lock. And I was like, <laughs> "Ah, you got me, right?" <laughs> but yeah, these guys taught me, you know, the things that I needed to put together, you know, a, a pretty damn good match, mm. and that was super duper cool. Like I had my I had my toe kick. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, I had my stunner set up, you know, right there. Yep. I had a us a diagonally down and an X. Yeah, it? quarter circle yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh no, yeah. Use it the SNK way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, yeah. more convoluted, yeah. but you know, slightly more pleasing. Uh, you know, running clothesline, and then after that, I you know, I I set myself up to just be like, I just want gravity moves. So, elbow drop, running elbow drop, uh, body slam, power slam, DDT. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I did the sidewalk slam, which for someone who's five foot eight is a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, you need to be Kevin Nash for that to look effective. Oh, look, I did the whole thing, man. <laughs> and, and what I and when, then what I did after that is I added theatrics to it. So I decided that because I decided that I should have a signature and a finisher, right? <laughs> you know, I was raised by video games. <laughs> oh, and That's such a video game thing to do. I know, well. I know, and you'll love this just while we're here. I dropped the straps during the match. <laughs> Right, so the match itself is principally theatrics. So what happens is I come out to the ring, uh, Heritor pushes me, and I just slap him on the side of the head. Right, and a guy from another promotion just yells "stiff," and I yell back to him, "I know your cock is. My pants are tight." Right, pow! That's how intimate the show is. Bang! I hit Heritor. We trade a couple of blows. I do a body slam. I then, and this, I'm not proud of this. I run around the ring to every corner of the every corner, <laughs> climb every corner, and get a chant going of "I did an actual move," <laughs> and I gas myself by the time I reach the fourth turnbuckle. <laughs> Just, hmm? well, I'm gonna say what? What year was this? Uh this was this must have been 2012. So it's not that long ago. No, not that long ago at all. Uh, I had my I had my black singlet and my um, my deliberately chosen leopard print pants and. <laughs> I, I just cut a promo uh, about how everyone in the you know was a toothless you know doll bludger, and and they they were and they agreed that was the thing I, I couldn't get any heat they were like yeah you're right <laughs> he's got us he oh, he knows he knows they thought I was very funny and very cute and I ran around I did that and then my two okay the the two high spots actually there were three isn't mm. that nice <laughs> three high spots in the match and they were. Um, the occupational health and safety splash, yeah, which was my signature move, yeah, uh, which was 
I'd thrown Heritor outside the ring, and I mean, bless him, you know, I'd pointed him in the direction of those ropes, and he, he just went through them. He, <laughs> man's a champ, right? And while I distracted the referee by crying, because I was unafraid to be a cowardly heel, <laughs> my man Mattel Pache, who's a six foot two Maltese warrior, yeah. was beating the fuck out of Heritor. We'd actually also, part of, I haven't even mentioned this, part of the reason we were having the match is that he and I had made Heritor bleed hard way twice prior to the match. I should... Not prior to the match. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so what happened was they wanted to, um, they were running house shows yeah. and Mana wanted to, you know, have a dry run to sort of kickstart the feud. So Heritor was having a match for the Hi-Fi Championship. That was it, the NHPW Hi-Fi Championship. And... Mattel and I ran in, you know, Pacha and I ran in and grabbed Heritor's belt. I, I nicked it off him and then ran at him and <laughs> smacked him in the face with his belt, which, you know, blood shoots out of the side of his head and, you know, we're off to the races, okay? Mm. So the next thing that happens is that Heritor comes to a show of mine. He comes to a comedy club, right? Comes down from the back wearing his, you know, wearing his tights, having gotten changed in the back without anybody noticing. He's been heckling. He comes down to fight. You know, I'm scared. From backstage, outburst Mattel Pache rips the belt off him, <laughs> absolutely kicks the fuck out of him. I do a running clothesline, which Herodor sells like a champ on the stage. <laughs> also, I enjoyed this so well that I made it, in, I edited it into my entrance video. Right, and my entrance video is just me in black and white doing this clothesline to this bloke. And then I hold him up, Mattel runs at him, smashes him over the head with the belt, blood pissed into the front row. (laughs) These tiny Japanese women who were just tourists anyway, who'd looked up a What's On in Perth, Here's the Comedy on a Tuesday night, blood blood in their laps, you know. Everyone's got a bit of the old above-the-knee crimson going on. The MC comes out and goes, is that real? But we've actually, we left him in the front row. Wouldn't it have been brilliant? Because it was in Perth, right? Yeah, it was in Perth. Wouldn't it have been brilliant if it was one of those really polite British MCs that came oh. afterwards? Oh, just close the circle. Oh, gasp. <laughs> oh, my. Well. Well, that's, that certainly happened, didn't it? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, and where do you work? I hope it's at the infirmary. Uh, I just remember because we left Brian, uh, well, Heritor. Oh, Keefe, Keefe. Yeah. We left Heritor bleeding in the front row, just, you know, blood mm. pissing out of his face, and, and actually goops of it yeah. coming out onto the, and you never realise that all the chairs in the comedy club are white until after the show, and you're yeah. just looking at all this stuff. And I remember the MC came out, I was like, is that real blood? And Heritor Concussed tried to come up with a joke, which, bless him, wasn't his strong point <laughs> beforehand. And so he goes, no, it's tomato and passes out. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's dying. Right, my wife and I had to drive him home. Right, I mean, because we've concussed him, yeah. we drove him home to his wife, who's looking at me like, "You cunt, John, what have you done?" <laughs> and then I'm going, "Yeah, yeah, don't let him sleep. Just push him through the door." Okay, <laughs> so we're having the match, and occupational health and safety splash is Mattel beat the beat beats the shit out of him. I'm in the ring and I announce. Occupational health and safety splash. Right. So I run against the far ropes and I'm very good at hitting the ropes. Yeah. Right. I'm that's my It's a skill. Oh, it's lovely. You know, like and because we were talking about masochists in wrestling before. Yeah. 
I'm going home with all the blood vessels in my back burst in three different points. I go, look at that, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. I love hitting the ropes because it lets me know I'm in the ring. Yeah. Right. I like to hit the ropes. I like to do a forward roll. I will do the Bret Hart run into the turnbuckle and go straight down. Pop a sternum first. Bam! Yeah, straight down into the, you know, all that stuff. Flare, flop. I do that. These, these impactful things, they please me. Mm. Right. And the occupational health and safety splash was the total inversion of that because it was me <laughs> hitting the back ropes as hard as I could, running at full pelt, jumping into the air, and just when you think it's about to be a suicide dive, stopping in front of the ropes, stomping both my feet and going, unsafe! <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens is I climb through onto the apron. And what's dorkier than a double axe handle? I was just thinking, my head was going, please let this be a double axe handle. It's a single axe handle, <laughs> right? So I've gone, unsafe. And I go, oh, jump, hit Brian, drop him, and then just go, safe. And then got a very polite round of applause. <laughs> so that was, my, that was my big thing. The other one was the unicorn, um, the unicorn drop, which was me on the top rope. I get to the top rope. And I decide it's too high. Yeah. So I go to the second rope. Yeah. That's too much. I go to the bottom rope. And then I just shout the word rainbows and just try to do a frog splat. <laughs> and the, the way the match... I mean, I, I just don't know. I'm Is fair... there footage of this anyway? Oh, yeah. And it's dreadful. I mean, the thing's 20 minutes long. I've literally edited it to the highlights. But yeah, if you just... <laughs> I, I, love, I love the fact as well. You know, like when you see open spots doing comedy for the first time. Yeah. And you go, you've got five minutes. And they always do seven or eight minutes. Because oh, yeah. no one's got any concept of time. You no. don't rehearse with laughter and all that sort no, of stuff. No, exactly. So, yeah, um, like my first match. Uh, and it? most... And, and the, the matches that tend to overrun on our shows... Uh, mm. The, the newer the people are in the match, the more chances there is of it over. Of course. Because well, it just happens. Well, look, the thing is, the match is 20 minutes long. It's my debut match. Yeah. It's for a championship. You've got to get your shit in. I've got to get my shit in, man. I've got to get all my shit in. Which is, which is the, the, the cause of the, higher, the, best part, the best part of the match. Yeah. Which is, uh, we've now knocked out the referee. Mm. So I've cried in his face and we've now knocked him out. <laughs> And Pache, Mattel slides into the ring and is putting the boots to Hirator. And then I hold my hand up, displaying all five of my fingers, and I yell out, Hey, Pache. He goes, Yeah, John. Go, How many moves do I know? <laughs> and he looks at my hand and he goes, Five? And I go, I'm going to do all of them. And I do it. And as I'm doing my, you know, my body slam and all this, the crowd literally goes, one, two, three. And one guy heckled me because when I did the fifth one, he went, four, because I fucked up the last one, which is awesome. But the strange thing is, because I did, I did all that right, and then I you know, I was just one of those guys who'd sometimes turn up at the community rumble. Yeah. You know, like, hey, who's this getting the shit kicked out of him? It's Johnny Robertson. You might remember him from when he permanently scarred Brian's head with his belt. Okay. <laughs> Dig, um, <laughs> dig, sorry, dig this because my connection with progress, because hmm. I was the host of um, a video game nation, uh, one of the co-hosts on that, which was aired on Challenge. Indeed. Uh, yep. <laughs> Did you have a good time watching this episode of the Crystal Maze, <laughs> waiting for something before Pat Sharp's Funhouse comes on? <laughs> are you uh, are you enjoying this episode of TNA? <laughs> well. <laughs> Here's Video Game Nation. That was a great show. It ran for two years. We mm. made 140 episodes or something. It was ridiculous. But we had a wrestling special. Yep. And to my extreme joy, we went down to Progress Pro Wrestling and uh, Pastor Believer. Yes, indeed. Yep. And I uh, did a couple of spots, which there's footage of that. And I will show anyone in the world 
that match that we're having because Pastor Believer and I, I, I can't remember the name of the other guy who was there, but I turned up and I went, "Hey man," and I, I'm literally like a veteran. I'm going, "Oh yes, yeah, so you know, I do my running clothesline, <laughs> I do my power slam, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do a DDT." And what happens is we go, "All right." So I do a running clothesline, mm-hmm. which Pastor Believer convinces me I should do a running jumping clothesline instead and really sell it. And I mean, I bruised the shit out of my arm because he sold it like a motherfucker, yeah. but he's broad and he's tough. You know, and I did the Solomon Crow had just debuted in NXT. Yes. So I'm there wearing my leather jacket to give myself an upper <laughs> body, right? Because I mean, he didn't need it, but I was like, that's a good look. Pow! <laughs> right. So we're doing that. The, 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 I actually hit him so hard at one point I'm not even trying to jump I just fall to my knees with yeah. the impact it's great fun we do a DDT great fun he goes kind of a backbreaker he does the world's best backbreaker to me it's a spinning backbreaker yep. I bounce off his upper leg fantastic and to my extreme joy I was going yeah you know I'll do a DDT and they went oh you can hit the ropes can't you I'm like yeah I can, I hit, the ropes. I can hit the ropes yeah I can hit the ropes <laughs> Like, all right, then, um, well, how about, how about Bill grabs you, you kick your legs over his head, he'll tilt you all the way around and do a DDT. Running tilt a world DDT. Amazing. Everything I'd ever wanted to do. And the, the thing is, as well, yeah. is knowing that was that was a while ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, Pasta was super new at the time was when he? that happened. <laughs> was he? Yeah, been training for a while, but like, oh. I mean, you consider he's he's briefly been progress champion since, and, and, yeah. and, and, but at the time he will have. He will have not necessarily. He might have just appeared on one of our main shows, but really? he's still doing our smaller shows. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, the, he one, just he's, he's one of these people. He's always uh, ever since sort of day one of him coming into mm-hmm. the pro show, we always looked at him and gone, "Oh, he's good." There's, oh. lo- there's loads of guys who are mm-hmm. uh, and girls as well, but it, like straight away, he was like, "Oh, he's very dedicated to this," yeah. and um, and and that's a sign of of you know he's done a few little bits and bobs where he's had to train other people or do do things with people who aren't necessarily as trained as mm. as, as a full-time professional wrestler well, and he's yeah. always done a good job well he treated me beautifully i mean both he and heritor really looked after me because mm. i'm unconsciously i know full well that i i injured heritor every interaction we had <laughs> and he's been enough of a gentleman never to mention that yeah that's fair enough but we may never have a rematch because i suspect that he could quite <laughs> Especially his wife's going, you were going, nowhere. you're not allowed to play with that Robertson boy. No, no, we've told you. We've told you many times. Actually, he doesn't have the championship anymore, anymore so I probably can't concuss him any further. Yeah, I'm sure you'll find something. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, a lot of bricks. <laughs> before before yeah. we wrap this up, yeah. um, I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a couple of things where I'm going to just name something, sure. and I want you to just... One answer. Don't even think about it. First thing that comes into your head, yeah. uh, just so we can get a sense of what sort of wrestling fan you are. Let's do so, um Favourite wrestler of all time. Of all time. Your favourite wrestler of all time. You know what? Uh, even It's still The Undertaker. I went through a big old but thing. we don't know if he's alive or dead, John. Oh, but that's the, that's the power of The Undertaker. <laughs> like, mate, we don't know what's in that urn. We don't know what's in the urn. It could be a loved one. It could, it could be a flashlight. <laughs> yeah, it's constantly sherbet, isn't it? Sherbet. Hey, mate, mate. He wasn't that fat when he died, all right? When you when you cremate a fat man, they don't become sherbet. Stop it. <laughs> but, um, well, no, I, I loved... Okay, tell you what, you know what, fuck it. It's a tie. Because mm. The Undertaker, 
did the Undertaker's giant tie? Well, when it was actually I lo- it was always the tie. It was, it was always tie. the tie. I went, look at that chest-spanning tie. <laughs> no, the Undertaker always made me happy because he was the linchpin from the early '90s wrestling that I watched. Because I just remember this tall black creature, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, whoa! I, I sort of automatically like him. And then when the Attitude Era hit, and there's the Survivor Series where he wrestles Kane for the first time, mm. I didn't know what a heel was mm. at the time. So the audience were booing The Undertaker, who I remember being my hero. So I was like, oh no, The Undertaker's become unpopular somehow. What's going on? Because he didn't mm. seem to be doing anything wrong. But I loved him, and I'm a big old, big old Mick Foley fan. Yeah. Got to the point that I used to do, because I've dressed like The Undertaker many, many times, mm. but I remember getting up at school to make a speech and doing the mankind hunched over one arm in the air. <laughs> I did it! Adrian! <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Um, I'll tell you what. A lot of wrestling fans in my school, not a single person popped for that. <laughs> no one knew what the fuck I was doing. They just presumably didn't know how to stand up correctly. <laughs> Who's your, your favourite wrestler at the minute? Favourite wrestler at the minute? Uh, you know what? Uh, not even for his in-ring work. Where oh, I'm a very big fan of watching Shinsuke Nakamura... Because I no not his in ring work, yeah, not his in ring work. I just like him because I look at him and I go, I don't know what you're doing, but it's so good. So my, my wife's not a wrestling fan, yeah. and uh, but is a massive fan of the band Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. first time she saw it, and she'd heard me, and we've got New Japan World, and I watch yeah. that often. Yeah. Certainly before the baby arrived, like if yeah. we couldn't sleep at night, yeah. she'd go to sleep. I'd watch. I'd watch stuff on New Japan World, so I go back through and watch watch older stuff and, and newer stuff and whatever. And there's a time when she walks into the room before it was in NXT, yeah. and she went, "Who's that?" Mm. And I went, oh, "That's Shinsuke Nakamura." And she went, "He's great," and I don't know why. Yeah. And and then when I said to, I sat her down and when he was in NXT, and she went, "I, I love him. He's brilliant." And I said, "I said you do know that, like he." Spent time studying Freddie Mercury, which is probably why you like him. Perfect. And he spent time studying Michael Jackson, which is probably... And you like MMA, yeah. and he's he's legitimately tough. That's probably all those things put together. The reason I keep saying not his in-ring work, mm. right, is because, one, I can't appreciate it properly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoy what I'm seeing, but he, he doesn't really scream at me. The other thing is that I like his persona to the point that I actually don't like seeing him hurt. Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys, like, I was a kid who I would cry if somebody stole The Undertaker's urn. Right? <laughs> and yet at the same time, as a mix. So when Kammer stopped... Oh, the... devastating. The, the ultimate, ultimate fighting machine. machine. <laughs> you bastard. I hope you come back and run a strip club. Uh, the uh, I tell you, I tell you what, man. I mean, that said though, as a Mick Foley fan, I clearly don't mind too much about seeing people get hurt. No. you know, because um, with Foley, right? If you when you play it, the way I judge a good um, at the time, THQ or Ukes or now the yeah. um, now oh god the WWE number and now now WWE two K this the way I judge how good those games are mm. is how much fun it is to watch Mankind get hurt. <laughs> because character models specifically of Mankind, like Cactus Jack can win a fight. Yeah. Mankind very rarely can. There was a, a time when they absolutely knocked it out of the park with him. And mm. everything, for whatever reason, looked more impactful on Mankind yeah. than on anything else. Bearing in mind, it was all Colt Cabana doing the mocap. Yeah. Well, for I didn't know that for years. Yeah. And then I found it out and I was like, Oh, that's so weird. Well, and I, cool, but so weird. I, you know how I found out? 
I was in the process of, I was just talking to Colt and I was cutting a promo about how the trouble with motion capture in wrestling games yeah. is that it's now it's now clear how some moves are made safe because you see heads getting tucked and yes. things like that. Yeah. And just as I was about to be like, anyway, it's bullshit, hey, right? He goes, I did the mocap for that. I'm like, and it's great! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking perfect! That moment of going, he's six foot two, he's chopped you in the chest till you've bled in the past. Well, that, that's also another thing. Because of my little bit of wrestling training, I'm not afraid of you chopping me mm. and of getting chopped to the point that I've had Colt chop me on stage in front of comedy audiences until I bled, which, curiously enough, stops them laughing the same way they stopped laughing <laughs> when Brian started bleeding. I just don't learn. <laughs> Colt, and Colt's, especially the last couple of years, Colt's in amazing shape. Oh, oh well. he's superb. Look, Colt is in such amazing shape that I have, because I run around with S&M people, right... I, at one point, because uh, when he chopped me till I bled, I got a series of, uh, of emails and Facebook messages, not from people who wished me well, and they weren't wrestling marks. They were just people going, are there any, um, are there any photos or, <laughs> or videos? Of and that's, that's I, um, people won't know this, but there is an, egg, there's an actual font you can use to type in that voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I know it too. It's uh, oh Gloucester, Gloucester old <laughs> I know it very well. Um, yeah. Two more questions. Go. Uh, and again, this is a hard one. Okay. Favorite match of all time. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. First one that pops into your head. Uh, uh, no, I know. Ex- me. I know mine, exactly what it was. Mine changes all the time. No, so. look, the first match that popped right into my head. It's not because you mentioned it earlier. It's because I've used it recently to get somebody back into wrestling the same way you had it happen to you is Undertaker Foley Hell in a Cell. Mm. Yes, it is only a two and a half minute match. However, also, great historical document, beautiful, you know, indictment of everything that was happening during mm. the Attitude Era. Here's Terry Funk. Who that's a fascinating character. Who's that? Here's Terry Funk. Why is he wearing high tops? Why is he wearing high tops? <laughs> Why is he not wearing them now? What's going on? <laughs> Isn't he just trying to help? Who does the Undertaker think he is slamming this middle aged man? I mean, that's a great well to go down, Terry yeah. Funk. The things that are mentioned in it, it's one of the few quotable matches. You know, good God almighty, with God as my witness, Cactus Jack is broken in half. And see that, even then, you know how I've called him Cactus Jack, because clearly mankind? Yeah. Because Jim Ross says that again when Foley goes off the cell the second time in yep. a Triple H match. Yep. It says with Gosmo. In 2000. In yep. 2000. Yep. And I remember watching that because that was the first time that I was like, I had a little joke at school, which was Jim Ross doesn't know fractions. Because <laughs> I just go, look at this point, mate. He's, he's a quarter. He's a quarter. Come on. Come on, Jim. You know, I appreciate your friends just clearly being hurt. But for the love of God, Jim. What I love about all the, the little... Yeah, extra things in that match is after reading now when I go back and watch it now and I still enjoy it and I'm aware that you'll you'll read people when people give star ratings to matches which I don't agree with but when you you see people giving star ratings to matches yeah that's a match that people will always go it's either minus five or, or five yeah dependent on your oh, viewpoint it can't be the thing is no no, no you, it, it can't be minus five because it's not a story free match no you know it's not like what well, oh god Oh, you know what? A defunct wrestling promotion, XPW. Mm-hmm. Do you remember them? The California one. The California one. Uh, they were set up by with the New Jack and Vic Grimes. The ones with the New Jack Vic Grimes. Yeah. Match with the scaffold where he, yeah. New Jack legitimately tried to kill him. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. The first pay per view they have. Uh, Shane Douglas comes down, and the big finale is that he has a match, 
and then he calls one of the producers at WCW and gets his voicemail and leaves a 10 minute long message in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Which, which people are cheering. That is peak Shane Douglas. Oh, well. God, yeah, but people are cheering and losing their minds. Like he, the guy just didn't answer his phone, you know? <laughs> this is what's happening here. If he's genuinely rung him, the guy's going, oh, Shane, no, nah. oh, don't, oh, I don't think so, you know? Right? Because he goes to voicemail on Mike, like, oh, dear, right? So, okay, I, I just remember that and watching the matches in that with my wife, and my wife likes a bit of hardcore wrestling, you know? Mm. But it was, everything was pointless. There was mm. no reason. It was just, look, we've got a bed of nails. Why? Well, to, to have a bed of nails. Yeah. What does it add? Whereas the Hell in a Cell builds. It just builds really fast, throws off in a way we won't expect, and then, bless it, lumbers to a, like still to a conclusion. Like I, I remember screaming with anger uh, watching one of the uh, TNA six-sided uh, cage matches mm-hmm. because Jeff Hardy jumped doing the, uh, you know, what was Swanton Bomb. Yeah. Doing the Swanton Bomb at Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett rolled out of the way. He's hit the canvas, right? And then he got up and Jarrett hit him in the head with the guitar. Yeah. And I was screaming at it going, no, he's dead. Yeah. He's failed his finishing move, jumping from the top of a cell. He's dead. Pin him. It's over. Right? That match, Hell in a Cell, Still follows some logic, mm-hmm. right? Even if, because I mean, even if it could end at any point, but why not just have it end with finishing move, thumbtacks? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, you know, we've already done two things that are absolutely impossible. It's all over by the shouting. He's still fighting. Here's the thing that normally puts them down extra hard. I hope it works. Mm. I love it. I'm a big fan of that. Match. I, the one thing I went back and watched the whole show again, yeah. and. Uh, what I love is in Pittsburgh, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what I, I so. what I love is following that is <gasps> Steve Austin, first blood match. Steve Austin, uh, Kane first blood match yep. where Kane's wearing a massive yep. mask. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I've, I've seen Mexican stuff where luchadors have bladed, mm-hmm. so, which blows my mind. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> um, but th- that was never, and, and people forget there's a title switch right after it. Yeah. And it only lasted a day, but there's a mm-hmm. title switch that, that right after it, with the hottest star in the world at the time. Yep. And they must have been watching that going, literally nudging each other going, the fuck are we doing yeah. now? Oh, oh God, yeah. Well, the audience, you know, like, because I remember, I remember watching that match, and, but it really is that, it's that post-orgasmic, mm. oh, I'm glad you're still here. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, oh, you haven't gone. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't, nothing about it, because the promise, it, it's too late, you know, it's like mm. the, the the thing about uh, you know Foley having the first blood match in ECW with Terry Funk and the they and everyone's bleeding the first in the blood battle royale yeah. at the start. In that case, like you're just going well. Mm, mm. Can you bleed more? Yeah. How many teeth are you going to put through your nose? Yeah. But it's still a good match, and absolutely on on the topic of out comes Kane in the mask. Well, mate, how good was the Inferno match? Here comes Undertaker. Wearing a black singlet. Here comes Kane. Why is he wearing two sleeves? Oh, oh I don't know who's going to win this one. Um, final yep. question. Yeah, mate. Greatest wrestling video game of all time. Ah, you ask a fine question, my love. Um, I've I've been asked this a few times <laughs> yep. when I've done Q and A's. I often flip flop between. Um, uh, oh, I can never remember the proper name of it, mm. but the Japanese version of No Mercy. 
Um, what, the the uh, last that, one is that Virtual Pro Wrestling. Virtual 2? Pro Wrestling Two. Yeah, yeah. that's Virtual Pro Wrestling that's 2. one of them, and the, yeah. the reason I've still got an N sixty four. Fire Pro Wrestling on the Dreamcast Ooh. or the Ooh. Sega Saturn. I will take Fire Pro Wrestling Returns on the PS two. Oh, excellent! Oh, great! I, I wasn't going to say that that was the the best one, but I just of, of the Fire Pro, I, I just took a consignment of a lovely pirated Japanese wrestling game, <laughs> uh, most of which I'm currently grappling with a new and exciting thing called "How do you get through the fucking menu?" and also yep. and also the heartbreak of when, especially in I think it's the New Japan title that I've got. Mm. I, I think it's New Japan. Where I think I, Glory Road was yeah the, yeah yeah where, where I've accidentally started the story mode and what I'm getting is a very taciturn looking you know clearly the general manager just sort of talking to me in great lines of Japanese yeah. text and I, I'm not entirely certain how to get to the match right but I'm get, I'll get there eventually I would okay of the Fire Pro series I'll take Fire Pro Wrestling Returns incredible incredible amount yeah. of content utterly superb in every way. I'm and once mate. you get the hang of the, the timing system oh, of Fire Pro, it's, it's tremendous. Fun. The, it's the, hard as nails to yeah, get into. It the, the trouble with Fire Pro Wrestling games is that they get dry fast. Mm. You know, uh, so I will take. I, I will actually take. You know. You know what? Even though you had your. Um, oh, okay, it's a toss up. Sorry to be a pussy, but yeah, it's a toss up between SmackDown. Here comes the pain. Yep. Quick arcade style, removing all of the uh, the troubles with the THQ games, which is that they were a bit slow. And, yeah, you know what? Even if No Mercy's got the ladder and uh, WrestleMania 2000's got the cage, WCW, NWO, That's Revenge. what got me into video game wrestling. Oh, Roddy Piper is the heavyweight champion and he's got a moustache for some reason. <laughs> Wonderful. And, of course, like, okay... One of the nice things about when I was growing up, right, was that we're at the tail end of the analog days. Hmm. You know, you couldn't find out information constantly. And even then, and that meant also that the information you did find sometimes was either an urban legend or was right. Yeah. Rather than it being an incredible grey area in the, in this post-fact world, hmm. as satirists keep telling me. Um, the local copy of WCW NWO Revenge at my video shop, which you could rent for five bucks for the night, Everyone had edited the characters. <laughs> of course, it's all stored on the cartridge, isn't yep. it? Yep. So, Conan, right? Conan, right? Yeah. They just gave him the barbarian's outfit, and that's what we thought he was meant to look like. Oh my god, that's amazing! It was perfect. Everything <laughs> about it worked. And all the, like, the fake wrestlers they put in to replace the Japanese yep. guys, we were obsessed with AKI Man. And THQ, man. We loved them. I was a big Pulp Fiction fan, so everybody got changed to having names from Pulp Fiction. Like, yeah. Hulk Hogan was Vincent Vega for some reason. And, <laughs> Which and, is so... Why don't you just make Kevin Nash Vinny Vegas again? Because, Kev, so because Kevin Nash was Dark Angel Fred. <laughs> because... Because as it turned out, uh, Crow Sting's outfit fit on Kevin Nash and he looked like a big fucking goth. And dig this, I love this. Because there was a there was a jacket oh yeah, there was a there was a jacket and jeans combo that Bischoff wears in the yeah. game. But the people Oh he's on his front leg front leg kicks. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, only only strikes for Eric. Great fun. Okay. This outfit, right, you could customize it so that the pants were white and yep. the jacket was white and that turned into a 1970s polyester suit immediately. And any wrestler I could do that to became part of a group that I called the Funk Squad. 
And so while people might know him as the big show Paul White or, you know, (laughs) or the giant, in my house he was Dr. Funk. (laughs) Have you ever... Have you ever played um, Def Jam Vendetta? Yes, of course I Which, have. And Def Jam Fight for New York. Because when someone talks... And the crap version. Someone just like, off the hand went, yeah. oh, you should play this. I went, nah, it's kind of... Yeah. I don't think it looks like the sort of thing to be interesting. I don't get why you play video game with rappers in. And then they went, no, no, no. It's based... It's got the same game engine. Yep. There's no mercy. And I was like, I, I don't insane. care how much it costs. And it's so good. It's four times the speed. And it's so It's good. utterly incredible. In the, in the second one, Snoop Dogg is the, <laughs> is the villain. And Snoop Dogg plays like a cruiserweight. Like, I have fought that little fucker so many times. Okay, in, And bear in mind, you're playing your own custom character. So I'm this colossal, blinged out fucking tank of a man fighting... Tiny whippet like Snoop Dogg. So when Snoop Dogg starts turning up at WrestleMania and reveals himself to be seven feet tall, I'm like, no, fuck you! You're a cowardly cruiserweight called Crow. That's what you are. And also, to my extreme joy, who's the fucking trainer who teaches you in Def Jam? It's Henry Rollins. Oh, God, yeah! Hi, I'm Henry Rollins. I'm going to teach you how to play the game. Like, oh, thank God this doesn't take two hours without a pause for breath. And, but when you play as Henry Rollins, best part of it, right? His stats are lower than everyone else's and he's shorter than everyone. Because <laughs> he's fucking tiny. <laughs> oh, God. Um, right. Yeah. Plug some things. I certainly um, will. Well, um, yeah. Just plug, plug everything you sure, need. Sure, brother. Okay. What you gonna do? All right, folks. Well, yep. It has been a great joy right here on the Isle of Wight. <laughs> and now, some cheap plugs. Uh, yeah, I'm at thejohnrobertson.com. I am touring uh, all around the world. Uh, I am touring back to Australia. In a couple of weeks, uh, doing my show, The Dark Room, at the EB Games uh, uh, EB Games Expo in Sydney. Uh, nice big thousand seat room. Be good to have some of you there. It's a real pisser if it's empty. Uh, <laughs> I'm also yeah, I'm, I'm around doing The Dark Room was only live interactive video game, a show made up almost exclusively of uh, retro video gaming, bondage, and wrestling references. Uh, that's three audiences that coalesce very nicely. <laughs> I think you'll find. <laughs> So that's that's going on around the place. A lot of festivals I'm going to and uh, all that around next year. But yeah, head, head to thejohnrobertson.com. Come to Robotron, at Robotron on Twitter, R-O-B-B-O-T-R-O-N. And I will just point out that if some of you didn't enjoy what I did on this podcast... Just don't waste your time coming and telling me because <laughs> they're a very positive bunch. Well, they're they're well, mainly going to come and say nice things. Well, that, well, you can come and do that. As I've said, positive and negative attention feels the same to me. It's just that I did uh, art of wrestling, and a guy wrote to me, and he was, I, I, I've had like a run of like necklace dudes from Georgia write to me over the course of time, and he went. I didn't find anything you said about Tolly Blanchard funny. It was immature and illogical, right? <laughs> and I was looking at that going, oh, well, fuck you, you po-faced cunt. And then I clicked on him and I'm like, and he was an emergency worker. I was like, you're a hero. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, unless you've got a genuine life-saving job, because <laughs> I was just like, oh, <laughs> it was just a bit of impro, you prick. If you if yeah. you work for one of the four emergency services, you're allowed to hate John. Otherwise... Well, yeah, you're allowed to. Although that said, though, if I am in a massive car accident, could you cut me out, please? <laughs> when I, when I recuperate, then you can tell me the joke was shit. Um. Uh, anyway, thanks, mate. No, a great pleasure. Thank you. That was the excellent John Robertson. Uh, I do love him to bits. He's a fantastic comedian. 
the gigs we did at the weekend were not necessarily the easiest, but he managed to make them a breeze and fun to do. Uh, and me and him sign a caravan was a fun way to spend an evening. Once we finished recording, we stayed up for another hour or so, still talking about wrestling and putting the comedy world to rights. He's just he's a good dude who I don't get to po- uh, cross paths with anywhere near enough. But a fantastic bloke. So, John Robertson, thank you for being a guest. Um, obviously, me. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Jim Smallman. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jim Smallman Comedian. I'm on Instagram, where I put a picture of my nice new shiny trainers for the Brixton show on Sunday today. It's just dead easy. It's Jim Smallman again. It's normally Jim Smallman on most things. Uh, I'm not on I'm not on Google Plus because it's stupid. But uh, I'm on most bits of social media, so keep an eye out for me. Uh, but obviously, if you want to tweet about the show, and especially about wrestling figures, the little question I asked halfway through, uh, at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Next week... We will have a roundtable episode. It will be recorded on the Monday after the Brixton show. Now, I don't drink, but I'm going to be exhausted. And I'm going to be joined by some guests who will probably have been at the show. So how hungover they're going to be, how much they will have managed to take in Clash of the Champions that night, who knows? But that's what we'll be talking about in a roundtable episode next Tuesday. Uh, Myself, I believe, Mr. Scrooby as Pip, and a couple of other guests will be chatting about Clash of the Champions. So if you want to get your questions into that... You, you can, or anything to do with wrestling. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Me, at Jim Smallman on Twitter. I've said that enough now. Don't forget my stand-up special, jimsmallman.com slash mygirls. All the stuff about this podcast, jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. And the final 50 tickets for the Brixton Academy Show, Chapter 36, Progress Wrestling Presents. We're going to need a bigger room again. Is at progresswrestling.com slash shows. Right, that's that. Enjoy the rest of your week. If you're coming to Brixton, I'll see you there. If not, I will speak to you next Tuesday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.